0: All right, good to see everybody. Over the last six weeks, we've been talking about the different worldviews that are around us, and today we're going to wrap up our series on counterculture. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, We've been talking about how our worldviews frame the beliefs that our life decisions are on, and your worldview is how you see life, how you see death, how you see yourself. Your worldview includes... Uh, You know, how you see God, how you see others in every area of life, whether you realize it or not. Just by way of a quick recap, in week number one, we talked about why our beliefs matter and how our lives are shaped by our worldviews. And we talked about some of the prominent worldviews in our culture. Week two, we remember that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, amen? And that all life, including the life of the unborn, is precious in the eyes of God. And how many of y'all still believe that? Amen. Week three, we talked about meism and narcissism and the cultural obsession of self. And week four, we talked about how we are made in the image, in his image. And we talked about the identity crisis of gender and sexuality that is so prominent today in our culture. Last week, we talked about materialism and our cultural obsession with acquiring more. And today, I want to close out our series with a wrap up of how do we live this life out in our culture. Let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 14. I see you over there, John. It says, You are the light that gives light to the world. A city that is built on a hill cannot be hidden. And people don't hide a light under a bowl. They put it on a lampstand so the light shines for all the people in the house. And I want you to notice verse 16. It says, In the same way You should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do and will praise your Father in heaven. Verse 16 said, we are to be a light for other people. From the NIV, it said it this way, let your light shine before others. It also says in verse 16, we're to live in a way that people not only see the good things that we do, but it prompts them to what? To praise our Father in heaven. Amen? So here's what I want to talk about today. Be a light. Be a light. Amen. Now, as we have been talking over these last weeks, there are cultural shifts that are happening around us at a rapid pace. If we don't understand uh, what is going on, we are not going to be effective disciples of Jesus. And the reality is that I think we lost something on the sound here, guys. The reality is that we've only scratched the surface of, of just how a few cultural issues really are, are, are impacting our society. right? Because, folks, I'm telling you, things are happening at an unprecedented pace. As we have established in this series so far over the last couple of hundred years, Western civilization has moved away from theology and philosophy being the main filters of thought to today it's all about what? Individuals. It's about our feelings. Uh, The Bible or even other sacred or or religious texts depending upon what culture you live in. Uh, People have moved away from that. Those things used to set the standard on ethics. Right? How people behave, what they value. But that's been replaced now by personal experiences, by personal desires, by preferences, by feelings. And and folks, hear me. That is not a sustainable foundation to live on. We have proven that as human beings we are not capable of (laughs) self-regulating. We're not. Amen. That is one reason a biblical worldview is so critical. Because being a Christian means not only that Jesus is my Savior, it means he's my Lord. Amen. And Lordship means he gets to shape every area of my life, my money, my relationships, my plans for my future. Jesus has a holistic influence on your life. Being a disciple means I try to live like Jesus. I try to let him shape and direct the trajectory of my life. But how do I do that? How do I live in a world without being of this world? Now, once I have embraced a Christian worldview, how do I live this out? How do my beliefs actually change my behavior? How do I, as Jesus stated in Matthew 5, how do I be a light in a world of darkness, in a world of confusion? I think one great place to start is by looking at the best example of it of all. And that's in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, whoever claims to live in him, what, read it with me, must live as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in him must do what? Live as Jesus did. See, the model is Jesus. And the bar that has been set is to try to live like Jesus did. Now, you might say, well, yeah, Pastor, that's pretty obvious. We, We get that, right? But do we really get it? Do we really get it? See, we call ourselves followers of Christ. We call ourselves believers. We call ourselves disciples. We call ourselves Christians. But do we really kind of always live the way Jesus did? Now, obviously, I'm not Jesus, and neither are you, and I think we can all shout amen to that. Hallelujah. And thank God. Aren't you glad that the person sitting on your left or right is not Jesus? (laughs) What a hot mess this world would be in if we were in charge completely, right? So I, but how can I try to at least imitate how he lived his life in the midst of our culture? How do I try to live like Jesus did? How do I live counterculturally in this world in a way that glorifies God but also can draw people to Jesus in a way that I that brings God glory? I'm going to give you some practical tips today as we close out this series. Are you ready? Here's number 1. Here's the first thing we got to do. Evaluate everything. Can a brother at least get one amen? Amen. My God. do At least does the band need to get... Come on, y'all. Hallelujah. I'm here. You're there. Come on. Let's dial in a little bit. Evaluate everything. Amen. See, the way we used to always say it in church back in the day was use discernment. Right? Use discernment. See, discernment is simply the ability to judge well. And on a spiritual level, it means to gain spiritual insight or understanding into a matter. You've got to evaluate everything, yeah. test things. Don't just automatically accept what somebody tells you, check it out. Wow. Don't automatically accept the world's values. Folks, we got to stop allowing ourselves to just get sucked in by the culture around us. Just because something is popular or trending or is the latest hot issue does not mean we're supposed to embrace it. Evaluate. Evaluate. Discern. Ask things like, is this truth or is this a trend? Right? Does this square with reality? Does this fit into a biblical worldview or is this just a passing fad. How would embracing this view or this ideology affect my walk with God? You need to ask those kind of questions. Amen. How does this affect my witness? Amen. That's another message for another day. We do have a responsibility to everyone around us by how we live. Amen. And, And you have to ask yourselves, ask God for wisdom and also know that what might be right for you might not be right for other people. See, when you read the Gospels, it might surprise you to see how many times Jesus said, watch out. Take heed. Amen. Depending upon which translation of the Bible you're accustomed to reading, it says, beware. Jesus says, be careful. Jesus says, guard yourself. See, Jesus understood that we have to have our eyes open and our spiritual radar turned on. Regarding everything around us. Be discerning. Don't just let flings, things uh, flow into your mind that may not be right. Use the mind that God gave you. And hear me. And when you're not sure, pray for wisdom. Yeah. Question everything. Confront everything. Properly assess popular opinion. Does this really make sense or not? What is the agenda I am hearing? What am I seeing? What values are being promoted here? Look what 1 Thessalonians five twenty one and 22 says. Test everything. And then after you test everything, what? Keep what is good, verse 22, and stay away from everything that is evil. Test everything, keep what's good, stay away from everything that is evil. Notice it says everything. And by the way, if you really look at the context of this passage, he's talking about testing prophecies and prophetic words. In other words, you got to test spiritual stuff too. Come on, somebody. Don't go around believing everybody that says they have a word for you. Amen? Test everything. Evaluate. That means the music I listen to, the shows I watch, the books I read, the company I keep, the podcast I listen to. Come on, somebody. Test it. Test the advice of your therapist. Test the advice of your guidance counselor. Test it. Test the advice of your Uncle Ronnie or your Aunt Laverne. Come on. Test it. Your favorite preacher, test what he is saying. Amen? Come on. Test your teachers at school. Test the online professor. Test everything. Why? Because there's a lot of junk that's being promoted out there that is absolutely off base. Why do you think we're so confused right now? People are just buying hook, line, and sinker all the nonsense that's being put out by our culture. Evaluate everything. So if you're going to evaluate everything, here's the next question. What is the standard of evaluation? It's the Bible. It's Jesus. Amen. The Bible has outlasted every culture throughout history. It has a reliable track record, folks. Hear me. You're going to either base your life on one of two things. The word or the world. Amen. It's the word of the world. Those are our two options. You'll base your life on what the word of God says or what the world says. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight, what, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Some about our weapons. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Let me stop right there and tell you right there. That is Culture. That verse right there is describing the attack of culture. That's exactly what all these lies are that we've been talking about for six weeks. They are arguments and pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. And so what do we do? We take captive every thought and we what? We make it obedient to Christ. Hallelujah. We are in a battle for the minds of mankind. Amen. There are deceptive arguments. People are constructing all kinds of mental defenses to keep God out of their lives. Oftentimes, you know what? When people don't want to change, they make up all these arguments and rationalizations so they can put a wall between them and God. And we got to be careful we can't drink that Kool-Aid. Amen. Evaluate everything and use your mind. It's amazing how many things make sense or don't make sense if you just stop and think about it. My father-in-law used to always say, he said, people just need some good old CS, common sense. Good old CS, amen. Amen. Folks, sometimes you don't even have to have a Bible for some of this stuff, right? Just use the brain that God gave you. Don't steal. Don't murder. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't abuse your children, amen. Do you really need somebody to explain? Come on, the things like that are wrong. No, no. most people get that automatically, rationally, right? Now, I don't want you to miss this, though. Let me remind everybody, though, especially if there's an atheist or an agnostic that happens to be watching this message. The reason you innately understand that murder is wrong, that adultery is wrong, that abusing your children is wrong, that stealing is wrong, is because God gave us a moral compass. We are divinely created. Come on, somebody. Don't miss this. In the character and in the image of God. The moral code that is ingrained in each of us is by divine design. It is intended to govern our morals and our world. That's why, you know, some of the atrocities that we've heard about that Hamas has inflicted on the Israeli hostages. And if you haven't been paying attention, you need to hear some of the reports coming out from the hostages that have been set free. The reason is they have lost their moral compass. You cannot do to other human beings what some people have done historically to other human beings unless you have violated your compass, your moral compass before God. Amen. It comes from a godly perspective. Amen. All the people who say morals don't matter and that lifestyles don't matter, they forget that it is the same moral law of God that tells us not to steal or murder that also governs every other area of our lives. Amen. Countercultural living. Having a biblical worldview is much easier if you would just learn to evaluate. Use discernment on everything you encounter. So you start there, right? Evaluate everything. Here's number two. You ready? Live by principles and convictions. You got to learn to live by principles. You have to learn to live by convictions not popular opinion, and not convenience. See, the people that have made the greatest changes in our world were not necessarily the smartest, the most educated, or the wealthiest. Amen. They are people that, of principle, or they were people who lived by deep convictions. Some of them had evil convictions. But they were deeply rooted, and they used those to impact our world in a negative way. Others had great moral convictions, and they have used their influence to impact people in a positive way. Here's the old saying, and it's true. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. Amen. So, folks, we got to develop some strong convictions to counteract the pressure of our culture in our day. Now, I used to teach a lesson years ago about how to develop convictions in your life. And I coined a phrase that I still believe is true. And I want to share it with you today. I want to talk to you about this for just a moment. About how do you develop convictions in your life. Here's a phrase that I coined years ago. I'm going to put it on the screen. Are you ready? Bible principles produce convictions which establish standards. I want you to read it with me, and then I'm going to break it down and explain this to you. Ready? Read it with me. Bible principles produce convictions which establish standards. Now, what that means is there are principles in the Bible that we can find that will help us develop our worldview and also shape our lifestyle choices. Those principles help us to develop convictions in our lives about everything. Life, sexuality, right and wrong, good and bad, and those convictions that we develop then cause us to create standards or guidelines or rules, if you like that word, or boundaries, if you like that word. Pick your word: standard, guideline, rule, whatever, it doesn't matter. To live by. So here it is again, Bible principles produce convictions which establish standards. So let me break this down, let me unpack it for you today. First of all, what is a principle? Okay, a principle is a fundamental truth, a law on which others are based. It's a rule of conduct. It's a method of operation. It's a law explaining a natural action. Bible principles come from two scriptural sources. And I don't have a lot of time to unpack this. I wish I did. But here they are. Specific biblical statements, that's number one, or practical applications of biblical guidelines. In other words, some things are very clear and specific. Don't steal, don't murder, don't don't commit adultery. Then there's other things that are grayer issues, there's biblical principles, and you got to figure those out dependent upon your culture, dependent upon your life, dependent upon how it applies to you. So specific Bible statements, those are things that almost no Christian disagrees with regardless of your denomination, regardless of how you were brought up. Right? They're black and white. Practical applications of biblical guidelines though, these are things that gradually we understand. Or maybe we implement them gradually as we grow in grace and knowledge as disciples of Jesus. We, we learn these things. Sometimes there's differences of opinions among Christians. As to the details of these specific guidelines. Sometimes these are areas that are not written as clearly in black and white, and they can be considered gray to some people. So I get a principle from the Bible, either something very specific or maybe something that's general, a practical application, and then from that I develop a conviction. Now what's a conviction? A conviction is a strong belief that comes from the Word of God or the Holy Spirit speaking into my life. Come on. It's this strong inner feeling that is telling me that something is right or something is wrong. Some of your convictions come from the Bible. Some of them come from the Holy Spirit. Some of them are personal convictions that you set for yourself because don't nobody know you like you know you. Come on. There might be some things that Rodney's okay with that I'm just not okay with. There might be some things that I'm good with that Evan really shouldn't have in his life. I'm talking about convictions here. So once I get a conviction, I need a standard or a rule or a guideline or a boundary to live by, right? So what are standards? In the Old Testament, and I still like using the word standard, and I'll tell you why. A standard was a physical banner. They lifted it up. It was a flag. They displayed it on a pole. It was a rallying point. It was a signal, it was a standard that represented presence and protection and the leading of God and His people in the execution of God's will. And today, you know what a standard would be? Something that we establish for use as a rule or a guideline or a boundary in our lives that gives us a a quantitative measure of quality or quantity or value. A personal standard is something that represents your customs, your philosophies, your lifestyle choices. Standards are internal and external signs that an authentic work of salvation and Christian maturity is taking place in our lives. So how does this all work? How does this all come together? Well, I read or I hear a principle that is based from the Word of God. I might hear something in a sermon. I might read something in my Bible. And from that, I develop this conviction. And you know it's a conviction when the Lord is talking to you about it. Right when God's whispering it in your ear, and you brush it off, and you brush it off, and that might be days or weeks or months, or you and you got this little tingle, and you get this conviction or a feeling about how this should affect the way I live, and from that conviction, then once I embrace it, I create a standard. I create a rule to live by. I create a guideline that will help me solidify that conviction into action in my life. Now, I'm going to give you an example that hopefully will pull this all together, and then you can go home and create your own. Let me just let me show you in a real practical sense how this would work. Okay? I don't think I need to do one on a specific Bible statement like thou shalt not steal. right? I think we all get that. I don't need to explain to you why you need to be convicted and then what the rule should be in your life. right? So let me take something a little more vague. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt not look at pornography, or dirty magazines, or adult websites, or ungodly movies, right? Right. Does it say that anywhere? Amen. The term not safe for work is nowhere in your Bible, right? Don't uh, subscribe to OnlyFans. It's not in your Bible, right? right? Okay, it's not there. But what is in the Bible? The eye is the light of the body, Luke chapter 11. Set no wicked thing before my eyes, Psalm 101. The lust of the eye is a major source of temptation, 1 John chapter 2. And lust is condemned in many different places in the Bible. So I've got all these passages, right? None of them say don't look at porn, but all of them say don't look at porn. Do you understand what I'm saying here? The principle is lust is wrong. And the eye is the gateway to lust, right? You're, you're catching this. High-level view here. The principle is lust is wrong. i got to guard my eyes, right? So here's my conviction from those principles. I have to shun everything that promotes lust in my life, right? Now, that's good. That's a good feeling, right? But hear me. You have to have a standard so your conviction has teeth. You've got to create a standard so your conviction means something. I need a standard in my life for my conviction to be lived out. So here's my standard. No Playboy. No internet pornography. No vulgar movie, movies or music. Do you see what I'm saying? We've got a principle. I mean, we've got a, a Bible principle, then we've got this conviction. But you've got to create a boundary to live it out. Yeah. Amen. You cannot live out a biblical worldview without having convictions in your life. Because if you don't, every time the wind blows, you're going to blow with it. Every time a new cultural trend pops up, you're you're just going to go right with the flow. Every time somebody questions something about sexuality or identity or they start calling you a hate monger, you're going to just step back and go, well, maybe I am hateful. No, you're not hateful. You're standing on the Word of God with love and with grace. Amen. See, but unfortunately, often instead of the Bible... The expectation of others is what determines our life. How we dress, how we talk, how we act, what we eat, what we buy, how we spend our money, how we spend our time. We are constantly pressured by the culture around us. And then the number one question, we don't say it out loud, but it becomes what will other people think? Here's what Colossians chapter 2 and verse 20 says. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world. Look, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? What a powerful scripture. It says, since you died to Christ, why do you let the world still pressure you to submit to its rules? Paul says, you don't belong to the world anymore, so stop submitting to the rules of the world anymore. Amen? Folks, we can't let other people or other culture of the culture dictate how we're going to live our lifestyle. Christ sets you free from the expectations of other people. That's real freedom. Romans 12 and 2 says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. Amen. Come on. Even with convictions, come on. Sometimes you're going to feel squeezed. Yeah. That's the world puts the pressure on, but stay focused on the big picture. Stay focused on God's agenda. There's more to life than just the here and now. Live by principles. Get some strong convictions. But also remember, hear me, not everybody's going to share your convictions. I should have put these verses in the lesson today. I wish I would have. I think it's Romans chapter 14. It might be Romans 12, but I think it's Romans 14. Guess what it says? It says, some people observe certain holidays. Some people don't. Yeah. Yeah. It says, some people eat meat. Some people eat vegetables. Right. It said, some people, I'm talking about convictions, Some people will not eat meat offered to idols because they're convicted about it. Other people will eat meat offered to idols because they know it's no big deal, Right? That's what the Bible, and it says, guess what it says? It says we're not to judge other people because of their convictions. Can I just make it real? Some people celebrate Christmas. Some people don't. Some people, you know what I love? Read Romans 14. I love it. When it's talking about meat and vegetables, it said the people that only eat vegetables actually have a weaker conscience. I just laugh about that, right? It's a slam on the vegetarians. No, not really. I just like to make a joke about that. But folks, hear me. Other people will not necessarily embrace your personal convictions. And I want to tell everybody, be okay with that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you have a big enough job keeping up with your own convictions. Oh, talk to me, somebody. Hallelujah. Come on, don't be picking at the the, the splinter in other people's eyes when you got a big old moat sticking out of your own eye, the Bible talks about. So live by convictions. Is this okay? Is everybody getting something out of this? Amen. Here's the third thing you got to do. Live with integrity. Integrity is how you live a biblical worldview in a culture that is increasingly non-biblical. What is integrity? Integrity means wholeness. It comes from the word integral or integer. And integer is one unit in mathematics. In math, amen? It means a whole. It's the opposite, don't miss this, of compartmentalizing. Integrity is one, oneness. What integrity means is your life is all the same. You are one person. You are not compartmentalized. In other words, you don't act one way with one group of people and differently with another. This is how I act at church. This is how I am when I'm with my fishing buddies. This is how I act at work. This is how I act at home. Come on. You're wearing different masks and you fake it and you pretend. Folks, that is the true definition of a hypocrite. Come on, let me be real clear. A hypocrite is not a Christian who struggles or messes up. We got to quit. We got to quit pointing fingers at people that are struggling. Amen. Come on. Everybody's struggling. That's not what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is somebody that acts like someone that they're not. I am way more okay with somebody who says, Pastor, I keep struggling, I keep struggling, I keep struggling. And then there's somebody else standing right next to them who's doing the same exact thing that's got their big old Jesus mask on and they act like they're flawless. Two people doing the same stuff, totally different perspective. Live with integrity, amen? Amen. When you segment your life in such a way that you're not consistent, that kind of living is going to catch up with you. Amen. You can have things right in one track of, uh, area of your life, but in another area, you're a hot mess. You cannot compartmentalize your life that way and be okay with that. Yeah. Come on, it would be like, for example, let's just say me and David Rutherford went out fishing in a John boat. And you're sitting in one end of the boat, David's in one end of the boat, and I'm sitting in the other end of the boat. And all of a sudden, I pull out a drill. <laughs> and I start drilling holes in the floor of my section of the boat. You know what David would say? What are you doing? What are you, you're going to seek this boat. But what if my reply was, this is my end of the boat. I'm not hurting you. This is my space. Mind your own business. If I want to be standing in water, that's my prerogative. Folks, it does not work that way. Come on, hear me. Me compromising, don't miss this, if I compromise my end of the boat, guess what? David is going to sink right along with me. And this is what we forget so often as Christians. If you are professing to be a believer, you have a responsibility to the people that are in the boat with you. Come on, hear me, Christian dad. Be a Christian at home and at church and at work and in your business. Hear me, Christian mom. you got to be the real deal. you got to live with integrity. Those babies in the boat are depending on you. Amen. You cannot compartmentalize your values and principles in a way to where uh, you are living a duplicitous life. You've got to make them one, one integer, one unit, integrity. Don't say, I live this way at work, I act this way in my church life, I act this way in my family life, I act this way in my social life, I act this way in my business life. You're setting yourself up for disaster. Yeah. Now, hear me, integrity is not perfection. If you've got to be perfect, we might as well all just throw in the towel, amen? Yeah. Amen. Unplug the Christmas trees, take them with you when you go. Yeah. Yeah. Just shut this joint down. Yeah. Come on, that's not the bar. Yeah. You know what you have to be, though? Exactly what you appear to be. And what you're purposing to be. And I'm I'm not afraid to tell you that is the standard. Be who you are and don't be a fake about it. Amen. Work through your stuff. Take as long as you need. Amen. Paul said, I die daily. And I never heard him before he left the scriptures say, oh, by the way, I stopped dying daily. I got there. No, 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 no. You got to do what you got to do. Let it sink in. Be who you appear to be. That's why I talk with you. The way I talk with you at church is the way I should talk at home with my kids. Come on, the way I talk to my kids is the way I ought to talk to my friends. The way I talk to my friends is the way I should talk to strangers. I don't act different ways with different groups of people. What you see is what you get. Come on. Now, folks, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not perfect. But I'm going to tell you right now, I try to live my life with integrity. And here's what I've learned. It is a whole lot simpler because I don't have to remember how to act around certain people and how to act around other people. I always tell the truth, and guess what? I don't have to remember who I lied to and who I didn't lie to. Oh, see, Mika, what version of that story did I tell Mika? What version of that story did I tell my wife? What version of that story did I tell Ron? Come on. Man, you're like, no wonder you're having a nervous breakdown. Tell We used to sing a, a, a song to our kids when they were little. Tell the truth. Always tell the truth. Don't be telling lies. <laughs> Lauren and Lindsay can probably quote that to you. Amen. Yep. Integrity. Here's what Jesus described it. Luke eleven thirty six. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light, look, and no part of it is dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its lights on you. Yeah. Wow. Hallelujah. He said, if your whole body is one thing, light, no part of it is dark or compartmentalized, you'll be full of light. Just like if somebody was shining a spotlight on you. Look at this verse again from the New Living Translation. I love it. It says, if you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant. Yeah. Hallelujah. As though a floodlight were filling you with light. Everybody say, let me get rid of the dark corners. Get rid of the dark corners. Come on. Don't live your life. God, you can have every area of my life except my porn habit. Right. Except my drug addiction. Except my excessive drinking. Right. Except my side relationship. Yeah. Lord, you can be Lord of my life except for my gambling addiction that nobody knows about. See, folks, if you're filled with light with no dark parts, then your whole life. Life will be radiant. Number one, evaluate everything. Number two, live by principles and convictions. Number three, live with integrity. I'm almost done. Just two more. Number four, love God with all your heart. Oh, man, I'm telling you right here, this will get you over the hump, folks. John 2.15, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. What is he saying? He's not saying don't love the people of the world. He's not saying uh, be unfriendly to to unbelievers. Come on. In fact, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. What? That he gave his only begotten son. Amen. And we are to love people the way God loves people. But what he is saying is don't love the values of this world. Don't love the systems of this world. He's talking about the values that say pleasure is everything, power is everything, position is everything, possessions are everything. That's what we've been unpacking for the last six weeks. The word world here in the Greek means is the word cosmos. It's from the, the, the word that we get the word cosmetics from. And cosmetics means the arrangement of things. In other words, he's talking about the world's value system, the arrangement, the structure of our world system. In other words, you cannot have divided loyalties. You can't love God here and love the world there. Love God with all your heart. Yeah. Matthew 22, Jesus said, I'm going to summarize the whole Old Testament to you. You ready? Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Jesus said, if you did that, you got it. You've checked the boxes. Amen? See, the problem is many believers want to love God half-heartedly, not with all their heart. This goes back to integrity. You're compartmentalized. Amen? And that's just what we have to constantly work on. That's not the way love works. God wants my whole heart. James 4 4, 4 and 4 says this. Listen to what James said. So you are not loyal to God. You should know that loving the world is the same as hating God. Wow, James just escalated that thing right there, right? Man, Pastor James is not missing, missing any words there. Anyone that wants to be a friend of the world, what? You become God's enemy. He said loving the world is the same as hating God. Amen. Amen. In other words, as a believer, you can lose God's favor on your life. It's that you can become God's enemy. Amen. Even a believer can do this. So here's the last point I want to point out. Praise team musicians, come on up. Be an influencer for good. If you really want to live countercultural in this world, be an influence for good. Rather than being influenced, rather than having culture set your agenda, be countercultural. Everybody say countercultural. Yeah. Be an influence for good. Everybody is either a thermostat or a thermometer. Wow. See what I mean by that? You know the difference. A, thermo- a thermometer just reflects the environment and reads the room, right? But a thermostat sets the environment <laughs> right. and determines what's happening in the room. Amen? Yeah, yeah. Come on. A thermostat changes the atmosphere. A thermostat says, I'm going to control the environment. A thermometer, a thermometer just says what's going on around me. Right. Here's what Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15 says from the living Bible. It says, so that no one can speak a word of blame against you. You are to what? Live clean. Innocent lives as children of God, in a dark world full of people who are crooked and stubborn, shine out among them like beacon lights. Man, don't you love that? It says in this dark world full of crooked people, stubborn people, here's what we're to do, live clean and let your light shine. The New Century Version said it this way, shine like stars in a dark world. We are to be distinctively different than our culture. My lifestyle is to be such that I am a bright contrast to the culture, and I shine out like a star. Jesus said this about us. He said, you are the world's salt to make it tolerable, and if you lose your flavor, what will happen to this world? Christians are the salt of the world. You know what the two primary purposes of of salt? Number one, it's a preservative. Keeps things from rotting. That's why they put it on meat, keeps it from rot. And the other one is seasoning. It makes things taste better. Why does God leave Christians in the world? He leaves us here as preservatives so that the world doesn't rot. And you know what else he does? He leaves us here to make everything better. Come on, to make everything taste better, to make life better, to show people what the victorious, abundant life can be. Amen. I'm going to tell you right now, when you walk in the room, it ought to get better. Come on, when you walk in the room, it ought to get better. Now, let me prove to you in real life what this is like. On Friday, I went to the local cup, and he's already granted. And I met somebody for a cup of coffee. I had a meeting there. And I walked in, and I looked behind the counter. And before I could even identify, I see Jess Dunford back there whipping out the lattes. And you know what Jess did? He smiled real big, and he said, Hey, Pastor, so good to see you here today. And man, everybody looks up. Everybody's grinning. And he walks up, and we're talking, and he gives me a hug. And then, I, you know, I'd already had a bunch of coffee that day. So I said, you know, I I think I'm just going to have a tea today. And tea's not normally my thing, but I wanted to have a cup. And you know what? Jess whips me up this cup of tea, and it was the best tea I've ever had, Jess. And then I'm in there and and then I see Sarah over there in the corner. She's working. And she says, Pastor, you need to try the London fog. So I'm already drinking my tea. Next thing I know, I see Jess comes walking over. He brings me a London fog. And he drops it down right in front of me. And you know what? Everybody in the room lit up because one guy just doing his job, letting his light shine. See, I just want to talk about this is not complicated it's not common let your light shine amen and then before I left when I was getting ready to leave to walk out the door Jess said hey hold on one of my co-workers wants to talk to you about something so I sat down and I talked to this girl it was about a spiritual issue and you know what I thought that would have never happened if Jess wasn't living the light shining the light and letting people know about the love of Jesus in his life oh guess what Guess what she told me? She said, one Sunday I'm going to sneak in. I'm going to surprise Jess. I said, all right, you've got to come one Sunday when he's singing and hear my boy sing. Amen. Yeah. Folks, be an influence for good. Yeah. Be an influence for good. Did you know when you became a believer, you became God's representative on the earth? And you are influencing people that I can't influence, that Jess can't influence, that Lisa can't influence. You know, every so often I hear people will tell me, Pastor, I wish I could just work around just Christian people all the time. But which by the way, I work with Christian people all the time, they got drama too. Amen. <laughs> it ain't always cracked up to be, okay? But but, but here's what I want to say: if you just worked with Christians all the time, how are you gonna let your light shine? I wish that I didn't have to go to school with heathens. How are you going to let your light shine? I wish that I didn't have to work with a bunch of devils. Well, been, I know. I've been there. I've done that too. But how are you going to let your light shine? God might have you planted right in the middle of hell on earth so somebody could be salt and light. That's you. That's you. Stand with me right now all over this house. We do not become countercultural by building a 20-foot wall around our nine and a half acres and building some uh, 10-story condos and all of us move in and us never go nowhere. That's not how, you know how you become countercultural. You step right in the middle of it and you are in this world, but you are not of this world. I want to be right in the middle of it. I'm not afraid of drunk people. I'm not afraid. Of, of gay people. I'm not afraid. I, I, I've got friends that are in all kinds of, I, I got some friends that are in some messed up stuff. And you know what? When I see them, man, I hug them. I love them. I talk to them. I encourage them. Because guess what? They already know what I believe. Yeah. They already know what I stand for. Yeah. And when the time's right, guess who they're going to call? Yeah. Pastor Buddy. Yeah. Pastor Buddy. Yeah. Let your light shine. They're going to get ready to sing, and here's what I want to ask us to do. We're going to put an exclamation point on this six-week series. I want to ask you to just step out from where you are if you're a believer, and I want you to say, and we're coming to an end of 2023, right? You might have had an amazing year. You might be somebody who you cannot wait for January 1 to get here, right? That's okay, too. But I want you to come forward. I want you to say, you know what, God? This next year, this the rest of this year, but ne- I want to be salt and light. I don't want to just scream and shout about the stuff I'm against. I just want to let my light shine. And I want to draw people. Remember the scripture said, be so much light that it draws people to the love of the Father. Amen. Would you come with me right now? Would you step out from where you are and say, God, I want to be a light. I want to be a light. I want to be a light. I want to be the light. Come on, that's it. I want to be the light. I want to be the light. I want to be the light. God. Help me, God. Help me to make a difference in my world. Come on, that's it. Yes. Thankful to know the name of Jesus, we're thankful, Lord, to be able to share that name with the world. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.